Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Air Canada's CEO recently made some comments about speaking French that got him into some trouble. It's ignited a debate about being bilingual in corporate Canada, and if business leaders need to be proficient in both English and French. It made me wonder at what point did we become a country where it became acceptable to be incurious about other Canadians. That's Rita Tritcher, a report on business columnist. She'll get into why not learning French as a Canadian corporate leader isn't just disrespectful, but actually bad business. This is The Decibel. Hi, Rita. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. So let's recap what happened here. Can you tell us who is Michael Russo and and what did he say that landed him in so much trouble? So Michael Russo is the CEO of Air Canada, and he got himself into a bit of hot water after he made a mostly English speech in Montreal. He was asked to repeat uh, a comment that he made with journalists in French. And instead of seizing that, that opportunity, He said something that can only be described as a slip of the tongue. He said, I've been able to live in Montreal without speaking French. Um, And I think that's a testament to the city of Montreal. So after he made those comments, you know, there was tremendous public blowback, particularly in Quebec, Mm -hmm. but also in the political corridors of Ottawa. We had Christian Freeland uh, in particular weigh into the debate and talk about how Mr. Rousseau's ability to speak French should be part of his performance review. Can I just take you back, I guess, when you personally heard what what Mr. Rousseau had said there, what were your thoughts? Like, what went through your mind? Honestly, I was thinking, how is it possible for someone to live in Montreal and work in Air Canada's headquarters in Montreal for 14 years and not pick up any French? I found it to be um, shocking. Can we delve a little bit into what the criticisms were to his comments, though? What, like, what were people saying exactly, and, and what did you make of those criticisms? I mean, the criticism is that, you know, ultimately, Air Canada is subject to the Official Languages Act. It's one of these former crown corporations, just like CN Rail, that is required to fill some basic obligations you know, in terms of providing service in French. So there's this idea that, you know, a lot of the frontline staff at Air Canada, they have to speak French, they have to have knowledge of French, they have to be able to serve customers in French. So it seemed really curious that the CEO, the head, uh, the person who sets the tone from the top would practically boast about the fact that he's been able to get away with not speaking French, Mm. even though he works at the company's headquarters in Montreal. And obviously, his comments sparked broader concern in the in the business community. I mean, there's a language debate that was already raging in Quebec because of uh, Premier Legault's Bill 96, which basically proposes to increase the primacy of French as the language of daily life in Quebec. And, you know, we saw that SNC-Lavalin Group CEO Ian Edwards you know, after this whole um, brouhaha uh, erupted, decided that he was going to postpone his mostly English-only speech in Montreal 
to brush up on his French, and he's decided to give himself a year to do that. It boils down to a couple things. If your frontline workers are required to speak French uh, to provide service to your customers, then you, as a CEO, as the person who sets the tone from the top, should be required to speak at least basic French to be able to carry on a conversation uh, with people. People should be able to come to you directly with any problems that they have. You should be able to speak to your people in the language of their preference. And if people cannot uh, come to you directly, if people cannot understand what you're saying, really, how are you able to lead? I mean, communication is such a fundamental aspect of being a CEO. And if you can't fulfill that basic obligation of speaking to your people, then you won't be an effective leader. So as you say, this is not really a it's not really a new issue, but all of these things do seem to be kind of coming up and, and kind of feeding off of each other this time. Why do you think that this is a moment um, in terms of the importance of French for Canadian CEOs? Why is this moment happening now? Why are we talking about this? You know, there is a lot of sensitivity around this issue because, you know, French has been uh, and the use of French has been in decline since the 1970s in Canada. And there was a StatsCan, you know, survey not too long ago that talked about how the French usage was probably going to decline to about 75 percent in 2036 from about 82 percent of people in Quebec speaking French in 2011. So, I mean, that is a pretty steep projected decline. And I think there's a lot of sensitivity around the fact that Francophones feel that they don't have equal standing uh, in the country. So Rita, you you recently wrote about this for the Globe and Mail. Uh, What kind of reaction did you get to that? What's really obvious to me, uh, based on the reaction, the reader reaction to my column, is that there are a lot of people who are very resentful of the fact that uh, French or the idea that a CEO should be able to speak French uh, continues to be an issue in Canada. The amount of feedback that I received that was negative was actually overwhelming. So anyone who has any doubts about, you know, the fact that francophones in this country are sometimes treated as second-class citizens, I would invite you to take a peek at my inbox. Um, I was disappointed by some of the reaction uh, because, you know, it made me wonder at what point did we become a country where it became acceptable to be incurious about other Canadians, where we lack a desire to have commonalities with other people, where we look at French as a foreign language as opposed to a domestic language, an official language at that. When did we as Canadians decide that, you know, Francophones should learn English and I don't have any obligation to learn French? You talked about your inbox being full of responses. Like how many emails are we talking here? And can you give us a general sense of what you were getting from people? Oh, I didn't count the number of emails, but um, in addition to the emails that were in my inbox, uh, there were also the like the comments on the column itself, which I think were there were hundreds of comments on the on the column itself. The general things that I was getting from people were things such as, well, you know, this is an old idea. It's an outdated idea. Um, people like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates managed to be great business entrepreneurs without uh, knowing French. Okay, but they're Americans. We're talking about Canada. Somebody pointed out that the governor general um, doesn't speak French, which, you know, 
I think is a bit of a, a side issue um, because she has committed to learning French. And that was one of the first things that she said when she took on the role is that I will learn. And there was no hesitation on her part. And I also think that her upbringing um, and her schooling and the choices that she was and wasn't given as a young person are completely separate from the experience that, you know, settler Canadians would have experienced in this country. So I don't think it's comparable at all. And the point of my column was to reach out to English speakers uh, to persuade them um, that this was an important issue for the country. So after this controversy um, erupted, uh, Mr. Russo did say in an interview with La Presse that uh, his entire senior team, other than himself, uh, were bilingual. Um, and, and so I guess some people might say, OK, that's OK, like in terms of the, the general how business is done, you can you can make that work. Um, but you're saying that's that's not enough. And I think you've talked about this a little bit there. But could you just kind of drive this point home? Why is that not enough? Well, the buck stops at the top. Right. And so if a a leader of a company says, oh, I wasn't aware of an issue. You know, one of my lieutenants never told me. <laughs> Would that be acceptable? I mean, should he not be fully versed uh, in what is happening within his company, with his people? I think boards of directors need to think long and hard about the skill sets that CEOs will require in the future to be effective at their jobs. And so, you know, simply saying it's hard to find um, a French speaker, well, it depends on who you define um, as a Francophone or as a French speaker. There are lots of people who live in Quebec and across Canada uh, who are bilingual. I, I believe that the last um, census put the number at about 18% of the population is uh, bilingual. And you know, these people learned ostensibly because they knew that it would open up all sorts of career possibilities for them. I mean, that's why I learned French in my youth. My parents, who immigrated from India, said it was very important for me to learn French because they didn't want any doors shut for me in terms of, you know, professional advancement. And so even though we lived in Toronto, they made sure that I could speak at least basic French. And that was something that was kind of taught from a very young age. I started taking private French lessons from the age of four. Now, I appreciate that not everyone might be able to afford such opportunities, but there are other ways that individuals can learn. The other thing that he said that I thought was problematic, you know, in his comments about Montreal, the fact that he was able to get by uh, without uh, speaking any French in Montreal and how that's a testament to the city you know, a lot of people have interpreted that as being a backhanded um, compliment, you know, that spoke about the diversity of the city of Montreal and its demographics. But I would like to say very clearly that it is a fallacy uh, to assume that people of color don't speak French. You know, the, the Francophonie is extremely diverse in its array of skin colors and French accents. And I would suggest that Premier Legault spend some time thinking about how he can make people of color, um, indigenous people who speak French, you know, feel more welcome in his province and how he should think about strategically, including making sure that those people are actually included in Quebec's 
senior business leadership because his language agenda would be so much easier to pursue. This is a really interesting point that you're you're bringing up. So I guess I mean, you know, from your reporting, from from what you've seen of this issue, it sounds like there's maybe a a, a way of reaching out to populations, certain segments of uh, Quebec society that I guess are being overlooked for things like that. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. So I mean, I live in Toronto. I'm not a Quebecer, but I'll just use my own family as an example. I mean, I've told you about how my immigrant parents, you know, made it a priority for me to learn French. But I'm actually the mother of two French Canadian kids. You know, my husband's from France. And this is something that's very personal for a lot of us uh, who are people of color. You know, it's French is the language of our home. And my children, who are obviously mixed race, but identify as people of color, they've asked me the question of why don't people consider us French Canadian? I mean, so while Mr. Rousseau and others are struggling with, you know, learning basic French, some of us and and our francophone children are struggling with other issues of acceptance and inclusion. And so I really wish that, um, you know, those with the privilege and the opportunity to learn would just embrace that uh, that chance because it's not as obvious for other people. If we can go back to the issue that uh, that we started talking about, uh, how can corporate Canada correct this issue of non-French speaking CEOs? Uh, so, so Mr. Russo is has said that he'll learn French in the aftermath of all of this, but but what needs to change to prevent this from, from happening again? Well, obviously, you know, we have to enforce the laws that we have, and it is my understanding that the Official Languages Commissioner is taking a look at the Air Canada situation. You know, perhaps the federal government should be looking at strengthening those laws, but regulation doesn't solve every problem that we have in this country, it would actually be a much better solution if the boards of directors of these companies sat down and thought about this um, in you know, a, a more comprehensive way. We need them to think about what are the skill sets that future leaders uh, will require in these companies and what is the corporation's role in society because it's no longer uh, acceptable to think that the point of a business is just to make money for shareholders there's broad recognition now that companies play roles in society that they're supposed to be responsible corporate citizens and if there is a concern among a big pocket of the population that they feel not valued or disrespected and that their language which is our collective official language, is in decline, then corporations have a, a responsibility to be part of the solution. I guess just to push back a little bit on this about um, the importance of French, uh, a lot of people might say, you know, with the global marketplace, it's important for leaders to have English as kind of the most useful and maybe a language like Mandarin or something like that. Um, I guess your, your response to that, that maybe like, are we overstating the importance of French in particular here? I don't think we're overstating the importance of French in particular. It's an official language of Canada. And you know what? Yeah, learn Mandarin too. You know, that's certainly important. But let's not forget that French uh, is spoken uh, in places across Europe, across Africa, and places in Asia. (laughs) It is a global language, uh, in addition to being one of our, you know, official languages. So yes, learn Mandarin too. Uh, Learn Arabic. Uh, Learn Hindi. Let's make it possible for us to adopt a global mindset here in Canada. 
We should be learning as many languages as possible. It is commonplace in other parts of the world for people to speak multiple languages. And immigrants to Canada often come uh, to this country speaking at least one official language, uh, but many others. I'm thinking of my dad as an example. When he came to Canada, he spoke four languages. And he also took French lessons once he got here because he worked for Desjardins for a short period of time, and it was part of his job. So I don't think we're overstating the importance of French when we are talking about an official language and kind of the opportunities that it opens in the world more broadly. Just lastly here, Rita, uh, I'll point out that now we've done an entire interview about French in English, uh, which is, of course, <laughs> ironic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe for this last one here, uh, we'll, we'll open it up. You can answer in English uh, and um, peut-être en français aussi. Uh, si vous pourriez enseigner une phrase en français à Monsieur Rousseau, uh, ça serait quoi? Juste une phrase. Je suis euh, quelqu'un qui est très bavard. Alors je ne sais pas si je peux juste dire une phrase. Okay, maybe three three sentences, not just one, because I think one is setting the bar really low. Okay. Je suis désolé. J'étais tellement chiant avec mes commentaires, et je vais faire tout mon possible pour apprendre. <laughs> Rita, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. <laughs> Before we go today, we've got an update on a story we covered earlier this week. The bill that would effectively ban conversion therapy in Canada. Accordingly, all those opposed to the honourable member moving the motion will please say nay. Agreed. The House has, not, has heard the terms of the motion. All those opposed to the motion will please say nay. There being no dissenting voice, I declare the motion carried. That was the House of Commons on Wednesday afternoon, unanimously passing a motion to fast-track the bill. It now goes to the Senate, where it will be studied and voted on again. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Tim and Johnson is our intern. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks to Rita Tritcher. You can find more of her work at theglobeandmail.com. You can also email us at thedecibel at globeandmail.com. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at RW. And if you haven't already, please follow The Decibel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.